and welcome to another edition of the PCOS Diva podcast. This is your host, Amy Medling. I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And in a recent survey, I asked divas who they would like me to invite as a guest on the PCOS Diva podcast. And a listener favorite request was Dr. Lana Asprey. So Dr. Lana, if you're not familiar with her work, she is a Karolinska Institute-trained medical doctor, and she's the author of The Better Baby Book, which she co-wrote with her husband, Dave Asprey, who's the founder of Bulletproof and the author of the Bulletproof Diet Book. So I am so thrilled that she said yes to my invitation, and she is here with me today. So welcome, Dr. Lana. Thank you so much, Amy, and it's a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast. Well, I think um, one of the big reasons why women really wanted to hear from you is that you've shared, I think, on on different interviews, podcasts, um, and such, that you um, are a diva and you have PCOS, and it's been um, you know something that you've had to work through. Um, you know, especially as you, you know, were looking to conceive later in life. So maybe, if, you know, you can kind of share that in in your own words um, with our audience. Yes, I'd be happy to. I didn't even know that I had PCOS because, uh, as I had mentioned on earlier in early interviews, I uh, I didn't really have a lot of the physical or typical clinical symptoms in terms of hair loss, a bit of the midline padding, maybe somewhat more acne and so on. And so no one ever thought to put two and two together, even though I had incredibly heavy, painful periods and they were all over the place. They were so irregular. Somehow, this also ran in my mother's family, and incidentally, my mother's a doctor as well, but she also didn't think about that, you know, possibly there could be an explanation behind this, right? So off I went to medical school, and eventually, I just happened to go for a routine checkup, and my OBGYN, who was also a professor of gynecology at the Karolinska Institute with five daughters and 35 years of uh, gynecology under his belt, is doing an ultrasound of my ovaries and suddenly says, oh, look at that. Good God. And I said, oh, dear. And, of course, the first thing I thought of immediately was, I must have a tumor. Well, I didn't. I had a big ovarian cyst. And worse than that, my ovaries had that classic pearl appearance, both of them. Yeah, and so he said to me, he turned the screen around, and he said, well, you, you look at this, you know what that means. And I studied that, and I said, oh, oh, this is not good. And he said, no. And then he ran some tests, and my testosterone was almost as high as you would expect in a lower level for, you know, for men. And he said, well, with these hormones and with these ovaries, oh, I don't think you'll ever be able to have children. IVF is your only option, and, you know, don't hold your breath. Not even that might work. And at the time, I was 30, and I was not even married yet, and I was just devastating. 
And I know that so many women listening can absolutely relate to your story. I know I was 18 in my college clinic when the the doctor told me that um, you know they would have to jump through hoops one day if I ever wanted to get pregnant, and that that news is it can be so devastating. Um, but that wasn't the case for you. So um, you know what. What did you do when you found out you had PCOS to start kind of treating um, your your symptoms, your condition? Well, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, I was I was terribly upset, and I was upset for a good long time. Yeah. And then I went back to my OBGYN, whom I actually really liked, and I said, "Well, there must be something that one can do." And he said, "Well, you know." When you find someone you want to actually have children with, we could treat you with some Clomid. We could do this. We could do that. And I said, no, no, no. I mean something I can do now. See if I can reverse the condition, at least improve it somewhat. And uh, knowledgeable, knowledgeable as he was, Dr. Gustafson was a very traditionally trained physician. So he had never considered diet, supplements, and so on. You know, herbal remedies, mm-hmm. acupuncture, no. So he said, no, not really. Well, so then, of course, I went off and started doing my own research, and I actually came across Donna Gates' book, The Body Ecology Diet, and I began to incorporate the principles in her book. Are you familiar with Donna Gates? Yes, yes. And yes. um, you know she amazing. Oh, she is, and I think oh. she, and for those women that aren't listening, um, I think that so many women with PCOS deal with candida, and her yes. protocol I think is the top candida anti candida protocol. Um, oh, I would know. absolutely agree with that. I'd say it saved my sanity because, of course. On top of all of that, I did have horrible candida infections. And uh, again, Dr. Gustafsson, he said, well, we'll just need to put you on higher and higher doses of diflucan. And I said, what is that going to do to my liver? I'm eating 400 milligrams twice a day. This is what you treat AIDS patients with, you know, when they get those Mm -hmm. opportunistic, terrible yeast infections, right? So I said, I can't be doing this to my body. So anyway, I uh, followed Donna Gates's. principles and my condition was so severe that for the first six months I could barely notice a difference but I stuck with it and after a year so this is how long it can take when your hormones and your own biome is so out of just so out of balance it can take up to a year before you start seeing any kind of improvement but then I did and so I cut out all the wheat, all the dairy, and I was religious about it. I wouldn't have, you know, even a little bit of, I wouldn't have even a little bit of um, butter in a sauce uh, or, a, you know, or even a splash of milk in coffee. Nothing. It was completely wheat-free, completely dairy-free. I did not cut out soy because at the time, soy was still considered as helpful to the female, you know, hormones. It's only a bit later that we started to realize that it actually disrupts your own uh, biology in terms of hormonal balance. And I went on all fresh 
you know, produce, mostly organic, as much as I could afford. Bear in mind, I was in medical school, so, you know, <laughs> money was in short supply. Anyway, and I got much, much better, and my periods started to become more regular, and they were not as painful. I still went back to Dr. Gustafson, and he said, yeah, but, you know, your ovaries still look at that. They're improving a little bit, but, you know, he was still very pessimistic. Well, fast forward seven years, and I met my husband, Dave Asprey. And when we discussed this, because it's one of the first things we talked about when we started dating, I said, you know, if you want children, I'm not sure that I can actually ever carry a pregnancy to term. I, I might not possibly even be able to get pregnant with it. And he looked at me and he said, well, you know, we'll just need to do some serious biohacking. <laughs> <laughs> and that is his approach to everything. It's like, there right. cannot be a problem that does not have a solution. We just don't know what it is yet, so let's do it. So we cut, of course, out all soy and zero processed food. So I had to say goodbye to a lot of things that I liked, um, you know, including Italian salami. But anyhow, it was a small price to pay. And he and I did much more research. We put together a protocol which we talk about in the Better Baby book in terms of supplements. And I did go on very high doses of vitamin C prior to pregnancy because vitamin C is actually incredible in terms of healing your gut. And as I'm sure you know, that if you can heal your gut and that functions well and you have a good biome, it absolutely helps with your hormonal balance. It is healing. Yeah, and doesn't it, I think it helps yeah. with progesterone too. Oh, um, yes. And yes. that's something that women with PCOS, we deal with low progesterone. So it's kind of a nice, yes. those higher doses of vitamin C, I think, kind of boost your progesterone. They boost your progesterone. But the other thing that they do when they heal your gut is that your estrogen does not get recycled. See, that's one of the mm. problems. Mm-hmm. If your gut does not function well, then it doesn't have the ability to your liver doesn't have the ability to properly metabolize because of all of these, you know, toxins, basically, or endotoxins that keep floating around in your body because the digestion isn't what it should be. And so the liver gets overloaded. Then the liver cannot properly recycle the estrogen, break it down. And so the estrogen isn't broken down properly, and it goes in for round two or three or four. So you might not be producing massive amounts of estrogen, but because it's not being broken down and shifted out of your system, you have lots of it. Do you, you know what I mean? Lots of it actually right. in the system. The dominance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So once you heal your gut and your liver has an ability also to heal itself and do all the detoxifications and the proper metabolism, not just of food, but of your own hormones. And people don't really talk much about that either, how important it is for the liver to be able to process your own hormones right and your hormones stabilize quite a bit. So when all of that happened, within seven months on this program, I, for the first time ever, had regular cycles. And I could not believe it because at the time I was 38. Mm-hmm. So just the, it was like a miracle to have a regular cycle, to know that, aha, 
this is now day 27, and tomorrow my flow will start. And it did. Mm-hmm. And it did the same thing next month and the month after. Uh, yeah. Because I had lived with this, you know, <laughs> this irregularity my entire life and also felt fairly bad. I had horrible PMS, as most women with PCOS can relate to. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're just another testament that so much can be do, can be done to help women's PCOS symptoms through these lifestyle changes. And, and in yeah. your book, you talk about you know, the importance of diet, and, you know, you mentioned about the foods that you've sort of eliminated and added added in to kind of crowd out the, the you know, what was inflammatory or, you know, not um, yes. good for our guts. And then um, supplements played a key role. You talked about vitamin C. Um, and then in your book, you also talk about the importance of detoxification. And, you know, you're, you're kind of mentioning about the liver. And I think women with PCOS, it's been shown that we have higher levels of non-fatty alcoholic liver disease, too. So our livers are compromised. And, um, yes. you know, we're, we're bombarded with so many endocrine-disrupting toxins on a daily basis. So maybe you could talk a little bit, too, about, like, what, um, role did detoxification play um, in your your journey? Oh, absolutely. It was absolutely one of the pillars. It was just as important as the diet and the supplements because mm-hmm. if you clean up your diet and you get on the right supplement regimen, well, that's good, but if you keep surrounding yourself with toxins in your home or workplace, then that is still going to undermine you, and it will. And people oftentimes, you know, we're not even aware of what could be endocrine disruptors. For instance, you go and go with a friend, you know, out for a day to do some shopping or what have you, and she has one of these scented little trees in her in her car because it smells good, right? And so you're sitting there for several hours while driving, <clears throat> breathing in this very harsh chemical really and that's a classic endocrine disruptor but is it something that people even think about is it something you would even consider as you know oh my gosh it's so bad for my liver most times not it seems so small and innocuous right or you use whatever cleaning products you've always used because they smell good and they do a good job and then you start educating yourself and you read the labels and you realize oh goodness Look at that. I wipe this on my counters every day when I clean my kitchen. And there it stays. And then I breathe it. Or I wash my sheets in this. And then I lie and sleep in bed for eight hours breathing this in. Or one of the biggest culprits, all the fire retardants in our mattresses. Mm. And there are studies that show that these fire retardants are such potent chemicals that they break down very slowly over the course of 10 years. 10 years. Imagine that. Eight hours a night for 10 years. So so what can we do? I mean, if we're we're bombarded with all of these chemicals, Uh, you know, on a daily basis, what can we do? There's a lot that you can do, and some of it doesn't even have to be terribly expensive. Now, for instance, a natural latex mattress with no chemicals, because it 
natural latex doesn't need any fire retardants because it practically doesn't burn. So you not you don't need to be concerned about that particular aspect. A natural latex mattress is is no more expensive than a mid-range regular mattress with box springs. So change out your mattress. That would be one of the absolute top things to do so that when you sleep, you're not breathing in any chemicals. Switch out to laundry detergents and cleaners that are also mostly chemical and fragrance-free. There are some really good ones. We talk about seventh generation. And I also want to say, just so it's clear, uh, we have not been paid or sponsored by any of these brands that we discussed. The only reason we discussed them is because we have done the research, we've read all the labels, and these are the ones that we found that have, you know, the, the best components that are the least chemically disruptive. You know, you don't need to use um, those dryer sheets to make your laundry smell good, for instance, because they're also very full of chemicals. You should never use those. It's a big disruptor. That doesn't cost anything. It's just eliminating the product, right? Right. Yeah. And you can do so. So cleaners in your home to be sure that your cleaning products are as clean as possible, with as few disruptors as possible. Same goes for any kind of personal hygiene. Soaps, toothpaste, body lotion, shampoos. Uh, your mattress, as I already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so the, the getting rid of the toxins and um, detoxifying, what, what kind of tips do you have for women to... Um, do you like to, do you like cleanses um, periodically, or you know what yes. should a woman with PCOS be doing to proactively um, detoxify and cleanse after she's kind of gotten rid of the uh, the items to avoid kind of retox? Yes, so I think I often go back because I'm very interested in med- medical anthropology. I often go back to. How did we develop? What is it that our bodies learned through thousands and thousands of years of evolution? Mm -hmm. And when you look at most cultures, they would have a spring ritual and a fall ritual. And mostly they would start eating certain foods in the spring and take certain herbs and then the same in the fall, preparing for winter because those are the big shifts, right? Mm -hmm. (coughs) So I think... Excuse me. So I think to have a spring detox that cleanses your liver and your gut is an excellent idea. Then do the same preparing for winter. Now, there's no such thing as one size fits all because some people will respond very well to, to certain herbs or supplements and others won't. And it also depends on what your load is. So if you have quite a lot of toxins accumulated over a long period of time, you want to go very gently on yourself. You do not want to go into a very harsh, aggressive cleanse because you could release a lot of toxins into your system very quickly, which could overwhelm your liver and which could make you quite sick. So my suggestion there would be to work with a naturopath or a holistic or integrative physician and get a full history. And when you have that, they should recommend a cleanse that should be good. For you, you should also do some testing. You could do hair analysis to see what kind of heavy metals you might have in your body. You could do some blood work. You could do a gut biome check 
just to see whether there is any big disruption in your gut. And, oh, this may sound a bit complicated, but it's actually not, and it's not even a lot of these tests that used to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. They've come down in prices so much during the last five years. Yeah, I know my husband we, is just, he's doing um, the Genova gut um, test. I, I forget the yes, exact cost. Exactly. And it's, I think $150. I think we're paying out of pocket for it. So, I mean, I feel like yeah. that's worth it. Um, you need to find oh, out what's going on for sure. Definitely. Definitely. And it's not like you need to do it, you know, every few months. You do it once yeah. and you mm-hmm. change your diet around in your supplements and then you can do a new one if you'd like six months later. But if you're feeling much better, then there's not really even a reason to retest unless you're just interested in results because you can tell. You know, your skin is better, mm-hmm. you feel better, you have more energy, your sleep improves, and so on, right? Right. I was just going to say I got you off track. I got you off track a little bit. So you, we were we were talking about um, this, the supplements, um, and then I kind of added the, the detoxification piece. But mm-hmm. you, you you were on vitamin C. I want to kind of bring it back to your story so we can um, you know kind of finish with the happy ending. <laughs> um, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, so fin- finish your story for us. So um, <clears throat> it wasn't just the vitamin C. Like in the Better Baby book, there's uh, there's a whole protocol that's described. Right. Vitamin C plus NAC is, is a good combination in order to boost mm-hmm. glutathione production in your liver. Now, there you can also take glutathione, but that is, of course, quite a bit more expensive. But I did take glutathione. I guzzled it. Uh, probably two, two tablespoons a day. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. I was on vitamin E. I did take chlorella. I drank stinging nettle tea. I was on a good multivitamin. I had extra zinc balanced with copper. Again, this is one of the reasons why it's important to, before you set out on a um, on a new vitamin or supplement regimen to have testing done so you actually know what you already have so that you're not, mm-hmm. you know, taking too much of something. Anyway, and so, yes, I think for a while there, I was religiously, for quite a long time, I was religiously taking vitamins morning, lunch, and dinner. And uh, like I said, within seven months, I had, uh, my skin was beautiful and I slept well. I had energy. I, uh, I had regular cycles and then we said okay let's um you know let's do a hormonal panel so we did and my hormones were actually very well balanced i no longer had an estrogen dominance i had progesterone which was about you know middle of the range it wasn't particularly high but it wasn't low vitamin d is another thing that i must mention so important Vitamin D is actually not a vitamin. It's a hormonal precursor. So mm-hmm. It's absolutely vital in order to produce any of our hormones. And even though at the time we were living in California, um, a lot of people still are vitamin D deficient, even in those sunny climates, because people put on sunscreen, long sleeves, a hat, you know, when they go out, and suddenly your vitamin D exposure uh, is, is reduced to practically nothing. So I did take lots of vitamin D. Um, so anyhow, 
So all the hormones were very good and the testosterone had come down. And one of my ovaries had completely lost the PCOS pearly look, if you know what I mean. Wow, that's wonderful. Yes. It looked like a normal ovary. And, of course, I had... I had those pictures then sent to Dr. Gustafson. I said, look what I've done. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't just because, told you so, no. Well, I was very happy, of course. But, no, I sent it to him because I wanted him to know, because he had been there and diagnosed me in the beginning, right? So I wanted him to know, look what can be done. And please share this with other patients of yours who also suffer from this. Now, there's no guarantee that everyone will have such spectacular results, but the chances are that if you do follow these protocols and do make these lifestyle changes, that it will actually dramatically affect your health and your PCOS, as you yourself know, because you have three children. Right, and and my, um, you know, right now my lab, you know, nobody would know that I had PCOS, but I think it is important to say that, you know, if we were to go back to our old lifestyle, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those symptoms would sort of rear their ugly head again. Um, So it's not so much, you know, you're not cured, but it's, you know, everything sort of is is at bay. Um, So, but that is the good news, that you don't need like heavy-duty pharmaceutical drugs that have yeah. a lot of side effects. I mean, a lot of these supplements and lifestyle changes, um, you know, there's there's really no side effect to it. No, no it's about balancing your hormones and balancing mm-hmm. your gut. I, I, I'm absolutely convinced about that. So, well, the happy ending for me there was then when, you know, when we did this testing, the hormones looked all good, so we said, all right, let's... Um, now let's try for a baby because we really, it was very, really time. And I was 39 at the time, right? And even though a lot of women feel that, oh, that's no age, really, you still feel so young. But uh, biologically, the clock is ticking. And yes, you can slow the clock down a bit, but you can only slow it down so much. So, um, <clears throat> so we went ahead and I was still, even despite all these amazing positive changes, I thought to myself, Ah, oh, I wonder if this will work and how long will it take? And I was sort of mentally preparing myself a little bit because I didn't want to be terribly disappointed that maybe I wouldn't get pregnant or it would take us a long time and you know, maybe we might need some fertility treatment. So anyway, so when my <coughs> so when my period didn't arrive punctually, <coughs> I just told myself, Well, it's because I'm nervous, you know. I'm so nervous now about this that of course it's late. Um, anyhow, and then it, my husband, Dave, he looked at me and he said, are you pregnant? And I said, no, I don't think so. He says, well, you're eating like you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because apparently without noticing, I was started finishing off his dessert and before he, he had even a chance to touch it. So he said, yeah, you should go take a pregnancy test. And I said, no, 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 it's too soon. You know, it's only been one cycle. And he said, just, just go a pregnancy test. I did, and there it was, positive. Oh, fantastic. It was unbelievable. You know, I sat, and I cried, and I cried. I I just, yeah, I just hadn't realized up until that day, despite all this work and all these changes, how traumatized I actually was, 
by that one morning in that doctor's office when the screen was turned. I saw those pictures, and the experienced gynecologist said, oh, wow, look at that. I don't think you'll ever be able to get pregnant. Mm. You know, your story provides... Yeah, it provides so much hope. Yeah. And, you know, when I hear from women that have the same experience, you know, I'd encourage them to, and this is something that I did, that, that what that doctor said, that isn't my truth. And, That's right. Um, and, and so, you know, women that are listening, if you've been given that kind of diagnosis, that doesn't have to be your truth. There's so many of us, you know, Dr. Lana, myself, and, and hundreds of other women that I've heard from that when may, making, you know, appropriate lifestyle changes, and please, um, you know, get a copy of, of Dr. Lana's book, The Better Baby Book. She does outline her whole protocol in there. Um, you can get pregnant. And, uh, Dr. Lana, you went on to have another healthy pregnancy at, at what age? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. I know. The first one was, like I said, I could barely believe it. And so I thought, oh, my God, we've been so blessed and so lucky. You know, thank you, God. And let's just be satisfied with that. But, <laughs> but of course, we, you know, we wanted at least one more child. And so, you know, we stuck with the protocol. And then it was time again. And, yeah, like I said, blessed equally smoothly second healthy pregnancy and uh, throughout the pregnancy I felt so well in fact I don't know if we shared that in the first edition of our book or if it's maybe only in the second edition that's been reprinted but during that second pregnancy uh, you know we did the blood work and we had a midwife and an OBGYN we were working with and the um, lab called back to our midwife and said, um, can you go over the birth date of this lady? Because here it says that she's 42, but uh, that doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't compute. And our midwife, uh, Ronnie Falco, who's an amazing, amazing woman, she said, oh, no, 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 yeah, Lana's uh, about to turn 42. We said, well, these blood levels, you know, these test levels, they're the same as somebody who's in their mid-twenties. Like, what is she doing? Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Oh, wow. Because your mid-twenties, actually, from a physiological point of view and hormonal point of view, are the prime childbearing years. That's when the female body is, if it's healthy, is at its peak. Its fertility peak is the mid-twenties. So, you know, I was so happy. I, as soon as Dave came home from work, I said, look at this, look at this. And I said, told you so. I told you we could hack this. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah and, and it's interesting because science is starting, is kind of showing, there's studies that women with PCOS, and this I think is hopeful news, that we um, remain fertile longer, you know, um, and so, you know, it isn't really unheard of, um, certainly when you have, like, making the lifestyle changes like you did to, you know, remain fertile well into your 40s. Um, and that's, yes. you know, a really a great piece of news for women who are trying to conceive that, you know, feel like the clock is ticking, um, you know, listening today. Yes. So yes, before I, say, before I let you... improve yeah, your ability and you can... 
like I said, you can slow the clock down, but even with the, in my experience and from my practice, what I see with my clients, because predominantly my clients are older, mm-hmm. um, it's one of the reasons also they, they oftentimes seek me out is because I was an older mother, right? It is true, though, that once you get to age 45, even with the best supplements and lifestyle and everything, your fertility does start slowing down. Yeah. And it, yes, it really does. And that is simply because, you know, it is encoded in our genes for now that you must have enough time to care for your offspring. Mm. So, so, speaking of, yeah. um, Oh, I just wanted to before before we have to go, I I just wanted to ask you um, about this. You know, speaking of our offspring, you know, we both have Mm -hmm. daughters, um, and PCOS. I know in my case. Um, my grandmother had, you know, I could pretty much bet she did. I know my mother did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, passing those genetics onto my daughter. Um, you know, I've been working, you know, really hard to, you know, make sure she has, um, you know, a healthy diet without a lot of inflammatory foods that might mm-hmm. sort of trigger the the genetics. Um, and you know, trying to detoxify our home, like you had mentioned. Um, yes. Maybe you could just speak briefly, and you talk about this in your book, the you know the idea of epigenetics and um, kind of using lifestyle to sort of control um, you know those the those factors that might influence um, you know our offspring. No, oh, I'd be happy to. So epigenetics for uh, the listeners who are not so familiar with that. It's basically the science that shows how our genes are modified by the environment, whether it's our internal environment or external environment. So the fact that you have a certain gene doesn't necessarily mean that it will express itself. It can express itself if it's triggered. And quite a few of the, shall we say, well, negative (laughs) outcomes can often be turned on by Inflammation, for instance. Inflammation is one of the biggest, biggest culprits in disease because an inflamed body produces toxins which then overwhelm the liver and the kidneys and the gut, also the brain. So if you avoid certain foods and instead add other foods that are more likely to reduce inflammation and keep you healthy, you remove the hormonal and endocrine disruptors from your environment as much as is possible, then, and you take good probiotics and good care of your gut, then the likelihood is that those genes may remain dormant, that they will never express themselves. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, we hope for for those of us listening that have daughters and we're, you know, concerned about them, you know, kind of carrying the the PCOS gene that um, hopefully, and I mean, and this hasn't been certainly proven yet with women with PCOS, but we can only hope that, you know, we do our best to kind of reduce exposure to things that can trigger, you know, we, we didn't have time to talk about stress. Um, today, but maybe um, you can come back on and we can sort of talk about stress and how that impacts fertility in a in a future podcast. Um, certainly. But certainly, I would love to yeah. do that because that okay. is a very very big subject, especially in this day and age where 
you know, women are accomplishing so much, but it often leads to the fact that um, we are juggling too many things. And as you write, as you know, I've been on your website many times and listened to some of the podcasts, and you know, it is it is one of these themes that <laughs> be a diva, take time for yourself, care for your stress, <laughs> manage your stress. Absolutely, uh, you know. Stress produces cortisol. Cortisol steals the good building blocks for hormones. When it happens, you don't have a proper hormonal balance. It's true. Yeah, it really wreaks havoc. Um, yes, it does. Well, I, I want to thank you for for saying yes and and coming on to talk to us about your PCOS journey and um, your really wonderful resource, the the Better Baby Book. Um, you know, I just think it's it, that women who are listening, who are trying to conceive, um, this book is just a really great kind of guidebook um, to help you, you know, kind of have the healthiest pregnancy possible. I know I had some horrible preg- um, morning sickness, and boy, I wish I had this when I was pregnant um, with my kids, because uh, I know you talk about how your your um, women in your family had a lot of morning sickness and this was not uh, something that you my experienced. My sister both had babies. She had morning sickness till she was six months pregnant and her morning sickness lasted from the moment she woke up till five o'clock in the afternoon. It was a nightmare. Oh, that was me. Um, <sighs> but it, <laughs> I can't imagine. But this, yeah, it, it's a great resource and, and you have um, a really great website um, and we'll post the link to that as well. Um, underneath the podcast, and um, the podcast will be transcribed for those who want to read through. Um, and then, Dr. Lana, if somebody was interested, you know, has tried, um, they're trying to conceive, they've they've gone to lots of different doctors, and and just with um, really no results, um, how could somebody work with you? Well, the first thing to do would be to uh, go to my website and then send an email to my assistant. And I only take on a small number of clients because I find that it's really important to just focus on a small number of women so you can really provide the level of care. But I have a, I am going to start a waiting list. I have not been accepting new clients, but I will start a wait list now. And so you would send an email to my assistant and describe what it is that you are looking for, what it is you would hope to accomplish, and go from there. Great. Well, again, thank you. And I'm going to take you up on having you back on, and and we're going to talk about stress and PCOS. I'd be delighted, Amy. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Well, and thank you everyone for listening, and I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye.